0: We're going to go directly to the Word of the Lord tonight, and I'm going to be speaking on the subject, the purpose of the tabernacle. As you know, we are continuing our walk through the Scriptures and uh, just keeping uh, track of the movement of the Old Testament, because the movement of the Old Testament brought us to the place of Christ. And so we want to understand what brought us to Christ and how did God lead and guide his people to that wonderful place of receiving the Lord. Before we go into the word of the Lord, I do want to uh, make a few announcements. I want to, uh, first of all, I want to say we are thankful and grateful to be able to be worshiping uh, this summer in Grace Point Church. God has blessed us so much. We thank the Lord for that. Amen. They have been so kind and gracious. And there's just something special about the unity of the body of Christ. And so we are in a place of, of needing space. And uh, they have uh, the space to allow it. And they've been so gracious. And so we're continuing to worship there on Sundays at 11 a.m. Uh, until further notice. And we're making tremendous progress here at the church uh, in the construction of the new uh, uh, worship center and parking lots and utilities are going to be laid, and that is that is the the key part that lets us get back into our building here at Cooper Road is the utilities being implemented for the new building. And once those utilities are put in place, then we are we've got all the utilities we need for the new worship center, and that's a that's a wonderful thing. That's a wonderful development. Amen. And uh, amen. And uh, I, I, I don't know if you were able to see it tonight or not, but the foundation uh, has begun for the new worship center. There are many, many developments. The parking lots have been uh, outlined, and there, there's uh, progress being made on those. So every day, a lot of wonderful work is being done, and we're getting ever closer to that long-awaited goal of being in our new worship center. So I thank you for your giving. I thank you for your commitment to the work of God. I'm glad that this this, uh, uniqueness of schedule is happening in summertime because summertime is a little less uh, structured uh, as far as routine goes. And so, you know, in summertime, you just kind of go with the flow anyway. And I want to thank Tree of Life Church for going with the flow And I want to thank Grace Point Church, if if you're watching tonight, for helping us and for uh, being so gracious. And uh, we're so grateful for all that the Lord is doing in our city. God has a revival for the city of Cincinnati, Ohio. And I'm just grateful to be a part of that. Amen. So I want to talk to you tonight about the purpose of the tabernacle. And I yet have one more announcement. I do need to tell you that we have... Uh, the uh, anniversary services of Arbol de Vida that are coming up the first weekend in August, August 6th and 7th and 8th. And uh, th- this is a wonderful time. And we thank God for Brother Rubio and Arbol de Vida. This is a powerful work that God is doing. Amen. And uh, we, want, we will need volunteers to help on that uh, weekend, August 6th, 7th, and 8th, because we'll be having many guests to come for those uh, anniversary services. We have Brother Felipe Pagan ministering. Uh, I'll be ministering. Uh, we're going to have a wonderful time in the presence of the Lord. And uh, But we will need people, if you can, to to volunteer for that, and uh, we will provide you with more information. But if you could mark those days, August 6th, 7th, and 8th, and, and if you're able to help out in any way, it will be a tremendous blessing. Amen. And so we thank God for that. But I'm speaking tonight on the subject of the purpose of the tabernacle. I don't think I have any more announcements. But the purpose of the tabernacle, what an amazing... Uh, Part of the scriptures that this is. Last week we we came out of the uh, Red Sea and we came through the whole situation of the children of Israel worshiping a golden calf. Aaron actually pointing people to the uh, golden calf uh, and uh, saying, these be the gods that delivered you out of the Uh, land of Egypt. Of course, we know that it was the Lord of glory who delivered them out of the land of Egypt, but they worshiped these, this golden calf. And it was a, it was a terrible moment. And, and there was this whole exchange between God and Moses where God was ready to destroy Israel on the spot. Moses intervened, interceded, and he was able to, he was able to do so in such a way that the children of Israel's lives were spared. And so we look tonight to the word of the Lord as it relates to the tabernacle in the wilderness. And that term tabernacle, it simply means basically a tent or a hut. But basically it's a temporary dwelling place. And God told Moses, I want you to make a tabernacle for me that I may dwell among my people. And so God was going to have a place And a way for him to dwell among his people while they were in the wilderness. And as you know, their time in the wilderness grew from 40 days to 40 years. That's what happens when we don't trust God. When we go our own way and and ignore the path that the Lord has outlined for us. But he said to Moses, I want you to build a tabernacle. Exodus chapter 25 and verse 8 let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Verse 9, according to all that I show thee after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall ye make it. Now that word pattern is an important word because God didn't just put together some kind of a, of a happenstantial uh, tent or hut or tabernacle. He didn't just uh, dream this up and say throw up the first thing that comes to your mind no there was a pattern that God had in mind for the tabernacle that would be that would be constructed in the wilderness. And many people have asked why would God establish a tabernacle in the wilderness? It seems like such an odd way for God to begin drawing his people closer to him. It just seems like, a, like an odd way to do it. Sacrificing a lamb, sacri- bringing sin offerings and peace offerings and burnt offerings and trespass offerings and all sorts of different sacrifices that were brought to that brazen altar that we'll talk about here in a moment. And, and yet you have to understand just how far human, humanity was from God. They were so far from God. We can't relate to how far they were from God because we get to experience his presence just by praising his name. Do you know that the redemptive work of Christ basically perforated the atmosphere and allowed us access into the glory of God? Do you know that the hardest-hearted sinner can boldly approach the throne of grace? Did you know that that it doesn't matter what a person has done, they can go to God and pray? That was not the case before Jesus entered the picture. Jesus entering the picture has changed everything. So we can't even imagine how far these people were from the Lord. But they couldn't just call on him and feel him. They didn't know who he was. They didn't know his name. Uh, that's why we can't take this for granted, ladies and gentlemen. We can't take for granted the truth that we thank God we have. The truth of knowing his name. How many know his name? How many will call out his name right now? His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And and so they they did not know the Lord, they did not know his name, they did not know his power, they certainly didn't know his purpose for mankind, and so God had to bring them along slowly, and God who knows best, God who knows all things, understood how to bring people into the knowledge of who he is, and it starts with this tabernacle. That's the significance of the tabernacle in the wilderness. And I love the fact that it was the tabernacle in the wilderness because of the fact that this tabernacle in the wilderness, you and I understand that regardless of whatever wilderness you're in, you can find and feel and be in the presence of Almighty God. The tabernacle in the wilderness. So God said there is a pattern, and I'm going to give to Moses this pattern And I want you to build this sanctuary for me. And I want you to build this this tabernacle for me that I may dwell among my people. And I want you to do it according to the pattern. Now here's what you and I have to understand. and we, We really don't get this until the book of Revelation. But the pattern for the tabernacle in the wilderness is found in the heavens. There is a heavenly pattern. There is a glory of God in the heavens. And just like there's a laver of water in this tabernacle in the wilderness, there's a crystal river of life in the heavens. And just as there is an altar of incense in the tabernacle in the wilderness, there are prayers of the saints and sweet odors in the heavens. Praise God. And so just as there is a glory of God that is kept within the most holy place, there is a glory of God that shines above the brightness of the sun in the heavens. Do you know that there is no sun in the, in the New Jerusalem? That there is no moon in the New Jerusalem? Because the Lamb is the light. Hallelujah. Do you know there's no temple in that city? Because the Lamb is the temple thereof. Hallelujah. And so, so God was saying to Moses, I want you to build a tabernacle. You, you need to know, Moses, as I give you these plans and these outlines, you need to know that these things are not to be uh, deviated from. And these things are not to be questioned. You're not just supposed to look at them and say, well, that doesn't make any sense. This little detail doesn't really matter in the big scheme of things. I can be a cubit off here or there. I can be an inch off here or there. I don't have to get 50 loops. I'll do 49 loops. No, Moses, you better do 50 loops if he said 50 loops. Because all of it is based on a pattern that already is. And you and I have to understand that God never makes mistakes. And God is all wise. And God has a plan. And his plan is already established. All I've got to do is get in the flow of it. That's what it means when it says that we sit together in heavenly places in Jesus Christ. We're sitting together in those heavenly places, those things that are already established. Don't you know that his word is forever settled in the heavens? Everything that we do on earth, we do on earth because it is already established in the heavens. That's the Lord's prayer. Let thy will be done on earth as it is, not as it shall be, but as it is in heaven. So everything that we do on earth has a heavenly precedent. When you're living for God, it does. And therefore, it comes with heavenly power. It comes with heavenly purpose. And so we never, need to, we never need to fear obeying the Word of God. The principles of God's Word are steadfast because they are already established forever. That's why they work. I don't need, you know, there, there are so many areas of the Scripture, and it's beautiful to see when, when the Scripture confirms science. And when science tries to stand up to Scripture, Scripture just humbles science right down. And it happens over and over and over again, and it continues to happen. It's beautiful to see, but I don't need another scientific fact confirmed. The principles themselves confirm the Word of God. And it's beautiful to see when prophecy is confirmed in the Scripture. A prophecy will come forth and be fulfilled. That's a beautiful thing. We're watching prophecy be fulfilled right now around our world. We see prophecy fulfilled and we read directly from the word of the Lord what is happening in our society today. And and it's a confirmation that the word of God is true. But I don't need even another prophecy to come to pass in order to have confidence in the word of God. Because the principles of the word. The principles of the word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. That's a Bible principle. And it is so true. Anybody have found that to be true in the last three years? Hallelujah. Glory to God. The concept of loving your neighbor and a soft answer turning away wrath and the concepts of praying without ceasing and rejoicing evermore and quenching not the spirit and despising not prophesying and, and in everything giving thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You put these principles at work in your life and you will follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord and the principles will confirm his word. Praise God! So Moses didn't question the principles. God is giving him these patterns. He's giving these uh, various uh, uh, instructions, and all of them are rooted in a heavenly pattern. One of the great, one of the great heritage aspects of the Tree of Life Church is the concept of the Tabernacle in the Wilderness. Our founder, Brother Frank Kurtz, wrote literally wrote the book on the Tabernacle in the Wilderness, an outstanding book that. That was written many years ago and, and really confirmed and helped people understand the tabernacle and its symbolism. Because everything that was inside that tabernacle was symbolic of a coming Messiah. And exactly what God was going to do for the people of God in the wilderness. He was going to do for whosoever will when Jesus would step into the earth. And so there was an outer court. This outer court. Was uh, had in it a brazen altar. It had in it a laver of water. And this, this was the outer court. This was a place where the priest would offer the sacrifice and the blood would be shed. And the blood shed upon this brazen altar was, it was an, an offering made unto God. You see, in that day, man's sins could not be washed away. Man's sins could only be atoned for a year. And and their sins, they would have to pay for their sins. And every year they would have to go in before the God of Israel via the high priest. And the high priest on the day of atonement would have to offer that sacrifice, shed the blood of an innocent, innocent uh, lamb. And when this blood was shed, He would make his way through the trajectory of the tabernacle process. The labor of water was there for the cleansing of the priest. And then he would move into the inner court. And the inner court was a place that uh, other people could not access. Other people could not see. They now had moved from the outer court into the inner court. And the inner court was illuminated by seven golden candlesticks. The seven golden candlesticks illuminated what went on inside the inner court. That was the only light that was present. That was the lamp of God in the days of Hophni and Phineas and Eli. Tragically, when Eli was was really kind of losing his bearings and Hophni and Phineas were making a total mockery of the things of God, the lamp of God went out. It was to never go out. But the lamp of God went out. And I want you to know, when you make a mockery of the things of God, the lamp of God will go out in your life. When you don't take seriously the things of God, the lamp of God will go out in your life. It's one of the most tragic things that we've ever seen. People who know better, but the lamp of God goes out in their life. And they're in darkness and don't even know they're in darkness. Backslidden. Reprobate. Turned away from the things of God. And, and, and they're in darkness. And the only way they can find their way is if they somehow spark that lamp and get that light burning again so that they can know what they're doing and know where they're going and understand what they're handling. That's what we try to do with the Word of God. We try to shine a light in the dark place so that people can see what is very important to see. And so inside the inner court, there was this seven golden candlesticks. And uh, the priest would go in there. There was, of course, a table there. This is, they're moving into where God dwells. There's a table there, and there's showbread upon that table. That showbread was unleavened bread. It was not tainted by yeast, which might make it more flavorful, but makes it unhealthy. It makes it toxic to the body. Now, we just eat leavened bread like it's going out of style. But that unleavened bread represented something very important. It represented the purity of Jesus Christ. In fact, let me take you back now to where we, what we've covered so far. That brazen altar and the blood that was shed at that brazen altar was not efficacious, a word that means it was not effective. It was not able to remove the sins from people and wash their sins away. But it was pointing to a day when there would be the Lamb of God whose blood was and is efficacious and can wash away our sins. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And and so the priest would come and he would offer the blood of lambs. He would offer the blood of goats and, and they would offer the blood of these animals, bulls and calves. And the writer would say, the blood of goats and calves had no power over sin. But it pointed to a day when the Lamb of God would shed His precious blood hallelujah when john the baptist was baptizing at the jordan river and jesus walked onto the scene and john the baptist made the famous statement behold the lamb of god which taketh away the sins of the world that was a declaration that all of the lambs that have been sacrificed for hundreds of years were a part of many lambs, but they all pointed to what you're looking at upon the banks of this Jordan River right now. He's not a lamb of God. He's the lamb of God. And he doesn't defer sins for one year. He taketh away the sins of the world. I'm going to tell you something. If you'll believe that, Woo, hallelujah, it'll give you power. And if you listen, I don't mean just mentally accept it as probable. No, no. I'm talking about believing it till it makes you repent of your sins, Amen. believing it until it makes you be baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. Believing it until it makes you tarry for the Holy Ghost, and you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Believing it until it separates you from the world and under God. Believing it until it makes you evangelize the lost world for the cause of Jesus Christ. If you'll believe it like that, you'll have power with Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ. Praise God. Hallelujah, that blood that was shed upon that altar was pointing to the blood that was shed upon Calvary's cross. Praise God. And that, that laver of water, that laver of water that was there, that cleansing waver of water. I'm going to tell you something. It was pointing to a day when you would step down into water. Hallelujah. And the old song said it would chill this natural body of mine. But it would not chill my soul. So I stepped just a little bit further. Praise God. And you know, back in the day, they were baptized. It didn't matter what the weather conditions were. When they saw that Jesus Christ is the mighty God manifest in the flesh as the only begotten Son of God, they said, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And they didn't care if it was 30 degrees or 50 degrees or whatever degrees. Now we've got, if it doesn't have bubbles, heat it up just right. My Lord have mercy, we've gotten spoiled. My mother's father, my grandfather Stafford talks about them having to chip the ice off of the off of the horse trough in order for him to get baptized in Jesus name back in the day because when you believe it friend you believe it Praise God Hallelujah. That labor of water, just like that water would wash the blood off the priest's hands. I want you to know that that water will wash every sin stain off of your life. And I don't mean the water itself, I'm talking about the name of Jesus Christ spoken over you when you go down. And I mean down, I don't mean sprinkled, I mean down, I mean immersed, baptized tizo i mean plunged into the water praise god hallelujah Woo. glory to god my lord have mercy i feel the holy ghost here because i remember when he took my sins away i thank god that he took my sins away thank god for the blood that washes white as snow I've come to rebuke every lying devil that's whispering in your ear, trying to hold you to a past that God delivered you from. You don't have to be condemned. There is, therefore, now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Woo! Hallelujah! That devil will begin to accuse you because he's the accuser of the brethren. That's his job to accuse us. But the Bible said, submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I'm not under the bondage of my past. The blood of Jesus has made me free. I'm not under the bondage, hallelujah, past mistakes and failures. The blood of Jesus has made us free praise God and I want you to know not just he hasn't just made us free from the he hasn't just made us free from the penalty the eternal penalty of that sin he's made us free from the sin itself he's made us free from the lifestyle of that sin none of this ungodly lasciviousness clothed with the word of grace Somebody coming in with lasciviousness, acting like it's grace, saying you can live any old way you want to live because the grace that God will cover it. You don't understand the blood of Jesus Christ. That body died on that cross. That body was buried in a borrowed tomb. And when he rose from the dead, he rose triumphant over death, hell, and the grave. When we come into this glorious salvation of Jesus Christ, we leave that old man in the waters of baptism. We don't participate in the old lifestyle we used to participate in. My goodness. That's what the Apostle Paul told the church at Galatia. He said, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. and Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. You hear what I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen. The devil will try to pull you back into an old way of thinking, an old way of living. He'll try to bring you back. The Bible says people are like dogs when they return to the vomit. God brought that stuff out of you. Don't go, don't go consume it again. The, the pig wallowing in the mire. Don't go back to what God brought you out of. He brought you out of it. My goodness, don't tell me it doesn't work. If you'll walk away from it, and he'll give you power to walk away from it. If you'll walk away from it, you'll enjoy living for God. You don't have any joy living for God because you're not, you've got one foot still in the world. You're still living in the world. You're still living in sin. You're still participating in the old habits and the old practices of the old man. Of course, you don't have joy living for God. But if you'll give God everything, and if you'll lay it all down, you, you, you're not doing it right. You're not living it right. You're not, you're not enjoying it correctly if you don't give him everything. You, listen, when he said, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that's what he meant. If you try to love him with half your heart, most of your mind, some of your spirit, some of your strength, then, yeah, you're not going to experience any of it. You don't love God unless you love him with everything. Well, I love him a little. No, you don't. You love him with everything or you don't love him at all. There's only one way to love God with all of your heart. With all of your mind, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. Oh, I could never do that. I don't have that kind of power within me. You're starting to get it. You're right. That's the first step. You can't do it. You're starting to understand it now. He'll, my goodness, I feel the Holy Ghost. He'll put his love inside of you. Ooh, it's not your kind of love. Your kind of love is fickle. Your kind of love is broken. Your kind of love is dysfunctional. Oh, but when the love of God gets a hold of you, it's a perfect love. And it's a perfect love that will cast out fear. Ooh, hallelujah. Oh, God, I want to give you everything. Hallelujah. You know, I want you to know, you say, I could never live perfect like that. You you, you, you do know that, that that you're in a body of death. We're going to get to that here in a moment. But you're in a body of death. God knows your frame, the Bible says. He remembers that you are dust. He commands you to repent, but He remembers that you are dust. If you have... A failing if you fall. Return to God and repent from it. Confess it. I want you to know that if you'll confess it to him. He is faithful and he is just to forgive you of your sins. My goodness. My goodness. Don't live in sin and expect to enjoy the blessings of God. You will never be able to enjoy the blessing of God while you're living in sin. Give him the sin. And let him give you the victory. Praise God. So this is what was happening. That labor of water represented us being baptized in that precious name of Jesus. And, and then he enters into that inner court. And I want you to know that inner court. That, those seven golden candlesticks were they were just lighting up the whole room. And, and that's, that's this beautiful word right here. This, the, the, the revelation that comes from God. It's a revelation that comes from God. And it is the revelation that comes from the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you into all truth. And that he will bring to your remembrance whatsoever I have said to you. Now he's saying this to men who are following him. Disciples who are following him. And they're going to be without him now. He's going to. He's going to die. He's going to be buried. He's going to be resurrected from the dead. He's going to show himself alive by many infallible proofs for 40 days and 40 nights. And then he's going to ascend into the majesty on high. And and they're going to have to take his gospel throughout the world. And he's not going to be physically present on earth. And he said, do not be afraid. He said, I will come to you. I will come to you as the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. The Father will send the Holy Ghost in my name. He's the Father, He's the Son, and He's the Holy Ghost. And He said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And I will live inside of you. And He said that that Holy Spirit, that Comforter, is the Spirit of Truth. And the Spirit of Truth will teach you all things, lead you into all things that are true, and will bring to your mind, your remembrance, whatsoever I have said to you. Because the Holy Spirit living inside of us is Jesus living inside of us. So of course he's going to bring to us, to our remembrance, what Jesus has said, because he's Jesus. And so he's speaking the words Jesus spoke. And so that's why when Peter and John are walking to the temple at the hour of prayer and as they as they are entering there's a lame man sitting at the gate called Beautiful. Now that lame man had been there for a number of years. There the, there's a high probability that Peter and John had seen him m- on many occasions, if not regularly. And and this day was different though because the man looked To receive something of them his eyes fastened on them and Peter and John fastened their eyes on him there's this eye contact and he asked an alms expecting to receive something of them and Peter looks at this man and said silver and gold have I none and the words of Jesus came to his remembrance you shall lay hands on the sick they shall recover Hallelujah. He sent them out two by two. Whatsoever Jesus said to them was brought to their remembrance. He said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Hallelujah. That's that that candlestick giving light in the dark place. It's the illumination of the dark place. And in the inner court of the tabernacle, there was illumination. It illuminated the showbread. So that the priest could eat the unleavened bread and know what he was eating and understand what he was partaking of. And I want you to know that unleavened showbread is, is this word right here. And when the light of the Holy Spirit begins to shine upon this showbread, you know what you're eating, you know what it means. Glory to God. Do not underestimate the power of the Holy Ghost to give revelation to the Word of God. And there's no sense, there is no sense in expecting someone who does not have the Holy Ghost to understand the deep things of God. There are many times you can get frustrated with somebody who doesn't have the Holy Ghost and think that they should understand this. Well, they won't understand it until the Holy Ghost reveals it to them. This is why you must treat people with the love of God. Because the love of God is something everybody can understand. That's why Jesus didn't answer a Herod a word. He didn't get into a shouting match with Pilate. He told Peter to put his sword away. Don't chop their ear off, Peter, for crying out loud. Why? Because he was saying they won't understand, they cannot understand the things of the kingdom. So I'm just going to give them what they can't understand. Sacrifice. The love of God on full display. And when God put down the one thing that all people can understand. Absolute, unedited, unadulterated, raw love of God. The centurion who did not have the Holy Ghost said, truly, This was the Son of God. That's why we speak the truth in love. Because the truth is a two-edged sword. And if you're just out there flailing with it and wielding it like a wild man, you're going to cut people's ears off. They're going to need that to hear the gospel. He that hath an ear... Let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Hallelujah. How shall they hear without a preacher? And so Peter just put the sword away. The truth of God is to be spoken in love. That's how it is received by people. When it is spoken in love. And so, so this candlestick gives illumination. When a person has the light of the Holy Ghost shining in their life. They can open the word of God and it will begin to make sense to them. I remember my great grandfather talking about when the Holy Ghost began to illuminate the word of God to him. And he said, we began to understand things. We began to understand the oneness of God. We began to understand the power of his grace. We began to understand healing. He said, we began to understand healing. And uh, he said, before I received the Holy Ghost, I thought that We should take medicine for our sickness and that God could work miracles. But then when I got the Holy Ghost, I received a revelation of healing. And I thought that's interesting because that's kind of our understanding. Take medicine if you're sick and God might work a miracle. But he's talking about something else that developed in their understanding when they received the Holy Ghost. And they began to see miracle after miracle after miracle because they understood the power of the healing touch of God. And if you'll notice in the story of Acts chapter 3 that I just referenced, where Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. He did not pray for that man. He didn't pray for him. He raised him up in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he had the Holy Ghost. One chapter earlier, he was filled with the Holy Ghost. And when he was filled with the Holy Ghost, things started making sense to him. He began to see the power and the glory of Almighty God. So this candlestick shines the light on the showbread, just as the Holy Spirit will shine the light upon the Word of God. And then there was this altar of incense. Now we should know all about this altar of incense, because it signifies when we Bring praise unto the Lord. And that sweet incense went up unto the Lord. And and this was what the priest would do. A sweet odor. A sweet incense. Not strange fire. But a sweet incense unto the Lord. You don't just bring any old kind of worship to God. The Bible talks about the apothecary. That there was a work of the apothecary. That there was a... There was a very significant recipe for offering this incense. And do you know God demands that same recipe in a spiritual sense? He requires humility. And he requires brokenness. And he requires contrition of spirit. And it really signified that broken life of Jesus Christ. That was filled with humility and meekness. And was filled with. Uh, brokenness and contrition and sacrificial living. And he was laid down and ascended into the presence of the Lord. And that is what would allow the high priest on the day of atonement to enter into the most holy place. We call it the holy of holies. The Bible does not call it the holy of holies. We call it the holy of holies. It was the holiest of all places because inside that most inner court, the inner court gave way to the holiest of all places. And the high priest would go in and that the, the ceremony of cleansing required for him to enter into that most holy place was something that you and I can't even imagine. It was total cleansing of his physical body that he had to undergo in order to enter into the most holy place. And he had to practice such careful precision long before he ever entered into that place on the day of atonement. And if he didn't do it just right, he would be killed. It was a scary moment. It was a frightening day. Of atonement, The day of atonement was a frightening day for the high priest. And he would walk in. The other priests couldn't go into the most holy place. Just the high priest could go in. This signified that there is only one qualified to enter into the glory of almighty God. And it's not you. And it's not me. It is Jesus. He's the high priest. And he was the lamb. And he was the blood, and he was the candlestick, and he was the flame on the candlestick, and he was the showbread, and he was the table upon which the showbread sat, and he was the altar of incense, and he was the incense that went up. All of it was pointing to Jesus, and the high priest that was going through these motions, he signified Jesus. And he had to be so clean and as he couldn't have any blemish on his body. He couldn't have any kind of a wart, any kind of a laceration, any kind of a, of a spot or tank to his body whatsoever. He had to be pure as he could possibly be in order to enter into the glory of God. It was a message to humanity that it's a highway to heaven. And it's a highway called holiness. And none can go up there but the pure in heart. And the fact that we're standing in the presence of God ought to humble us every day that we live. Because none of us are worthy to be here. None of us are capable of standing in the glory of God. Don't take it casual. Don't be flippant about it. Don't get get arrogant about it. Or don't get so easily disgruntled by things that don't go your way. You ought to thank God every moment you live that you can stand in the presence of God us be irritable about anything because God has been too good to us and he allows us to stand in a place we're not even worthy to stand. I mean, do you know God doesn't cut us any slack? He gives us mercy. But if you just take the word for what it is, there's no slack. I'll tell you what, there's sometimes I feel perfectly justified to do what I want, feel how I want, and then I'd and then go look at that, that God in flesh hanging on the cross. And I realized I've got a long way to go to be like my Lord. I look at that man who was pure and holy and righteous and, and, and godly. And he walked into that holy place, that holiest of all places, and made a way for me to enter in. One of the very significant things about the tabernacle is that The sacrifices stopped when Jesus was sacrificed. He entered once into the holy place for all. And and the sacrifices stopped because when he gave up the ghost, the veil in the temple that, that separated the inner court from the most holy place, that veil was rent. It was torn in two Hallelujah, it was torn in two when Jesus gave up the ghost. Just as his body was lacerated for us, that veil was ripped for all of humanity. Do you know that when Peter and John ran to the tomb and they came to the tomb of of Jesus, The Bible says that they looked in, John stooped down and looked in and saw an angel at the head of where Jesus had been laying. And he saw an angel at the foot of where Jesus had been laying, and they were sitting down. You know, that actually was a picture of the most holy place. Because on that Ark of the Covenant, and the Ark of the Covenant is what the whole tabernacle was about. So to answer the question, the purpose of the tabernacle was the Ark of the Covenant. That God may dwell with man. And that Ark of the Covenant, you dare not touch it. Even if you're carrying it uh, and, and you feel like it's going to wobble and fall, don't touch it. It's not yours to touch. It is the glory of God. And, and so a man did that. Names, his name was Yuza, And he died. Brother Tenney said the Ark was not Yuza friendly. you got to be careful. Amen. You don't want to mess with it. you got to go. The only way you can get in there is through Jesus Christ. Don't you try to go in there with, with, with your flesh. The only way we can get in there is through Jesus Christ. And when the priest would go in there, he would see an angel at the head of the mercy seat. And he would see an angel at the foot of the mercy seat. But, but they were not sitting down. They were standing at attention with their wings stretched forward. And their eyes upon mercy. And they were guarding it. They were guardians of mercy. They signified to everybody. Don't touch it. Because there are angels. That guard this covenant. This ark of the covenant. And when Peter and John looked inside that tomb. They saw a depiction of what. The priest would have seen. In the most holy place. An angel at the head of where mercy had been laying. And an angel at the foot of where mercy had been laying. But the difference was these angels were not standing at attention. And these angels were not guarding grace because anybody can touch it now. Their job was done. They didn't have to guard mercy anymore. They weren't standing, they were sitting down, wiping their brow. Hundreds and hundreds of years. It's all done. We don't have to guard mercy anymore. Whosoever will, come on in. The veil is rent. The body has been pierced for you, wounded for your transgressions, bruised for your iniquities. When Moses said, Lord, show me thy glory. And the Lord said, no man can see my face and live, but show me thy glory. He said, there is a place in the cleft of the rock. That word cleft has to do with cleave. It has to do with breaking. There's a place in the cleft of the rock. Paul spoke of that rock in 1 Corinthians 10. He said that rock followed them and that rock was Christ. That cleft in the rock is a cleft in Christ. It's an opening in Christ. It's the wounding of Christ. When the body of Christ was pierced for our transgressions he made an opening for all of us to enter in to that spiritual body to that spiritual rock. Now we can enter in glory to God. When that when that spear went into his side, blood and water flowed out of that body and there was an opening in that body for whosoever will. Anybody can enter in and when you approach the mercy seat, you approach covered, covered by the identity of Jesus Christ. You approach that mercy seat covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Remember the great account in the Bible of Queen Esther, how that she was terrified to go before the king because if he did Did not extend his scepter, she would not be able to enter into his presence. And if he did not extend the scepter, she would die. This was a terrible, terrifying moment. It was kind of like the day of atonement. I could lose my life going before the king. But as she walked in, that scepter of the king was extended. Do you know the book of Hebrews calls Jesus the scepter of righteousness? And I want you to know that when he was lifted up from the earth, that scepter was extended and anybody and everybody can enter into the presence of almighty God. The purpose of the tabernacle was to provide a place wherever Israel was where they could meet with God. And they, through the high priest, not that even then they could not do it in and of themselves, but through the high priest, they could have their sins atoned and deferred for a year, for a year, for a year, for a year. And then along came Jesus. He said, I'll take your sins away. Glory to God. Behold, his name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. You will not love holiness until you hate sin. You never will. There's no sense in trying. There's just no sense in trying. If you don't hate sin, you won't love holiness. You'll only love holiness when you hate sin. And you won't hate sin until sin nearly destroys you. You won't hate it until it leaves you hanging over a cliff and, you're, and you can feel the flames of hell. And, and then and only then will you hate sin. And once you hate sin, then you'll start loving holiness and seeing its value and seeing its goodness. And wow, how beautiful it really is. It's the beauty of holiness. It's the beauty of the glory of God. So this tabernacle that was in the wilderness, it completed the plan of God in that day and at that time where he said to Moses, bring them here, let's make a feast. I want to teach them of my ways. And the law was a schoolmaster that brought them unto Christ they were able to experience it little by little and put pieces together. And, and you say, well, he could have been more specific. No, no, they were too far from God. You don't know how far from God they were. That's why when you look at that Old Testament, heads are rolling, debauchery is everywhere. Even the most righteous of people are ungodly and unrighteous. Because that Old Testament was full of people who were as far from God as you can possibly imagine. And God did what he could at the basest of possible opportunity to begin leading them unto Christ, unto Messiah. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 2, there was a tabernacle made. The first wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid round about with gold. These things were made with shatim wood. It was shatim wood. That That wood represented the flesh of humanity, but it was all overlaid with gold, and that gold represents the deity of God. And that's what happens when this mortal flesh is filled with the Holy Ghost. It's overlaid with the gold of God. And when you look at Jesus Christ, you see 100% man. That's the shatim wood, but he's overlaid with gold. That's the 100% God. Hallelujah. That's what we saw in that tabernacle. The golden censer, the The ark of the covenant overlaid round about with gold wherein was the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded and the tables of the covenant and over it, the cherubims of glory shadowing the mercy seat of which we cannot now speak particularly. Now, when these things were thus ordained, the priest went always into the first tabernacle accomplishing the service of God, but into the second went the high priest alone. Once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest. While as the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure for the time then present. It was a figure for the time then present in which were both offered gifts and sacrifices ...that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience... ...which stood only in meats and drinks and divers washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. But Christ, being common high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle... Not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament. That by means of death for redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament. They which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Glory to God. Glory to God. You ought to thank God every day. That Jesus made a way for you. Hallelujah. 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 Lift up both hands, if you will, and thank God every day for the work that he did while he was here on this earth. Hallelujah. To make a way of salvation, entering into that holiest of all places. Entering into that holiest of all places. Not with the blood of bulls and goats and calves, which did nothing, it did nothing for the one who offered that, that, that blood in the way of cleansing the conscience. Oh, but the blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse your conscience. I said the blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse your conscience. From dead works, he will purge your conscience. You know what we need? We need a revival of a pure conscience. Could you stand with me right now in the name of Jesus and give praise unto God. All across this house, give praise, give praise, give praise unto God. Give praise unto God. Give praise unto God. God. Oh, because he's worthy to be praised. 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 Hallelujah. It's so vitally important that the people of God are able to serve God with a clean conscience. And if you struggle tonight with a clean conscience, you need to renew your faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't know what the devil has on you, what he tries to hold over your head. I don't know what he tries to bring up from your past, but I want you to know that Almighty God is in this place to purge you from dead works. Hallelujah. That the blood of Jesus Christ, offered unto God through the eternal spirit, he is here in this place. I want somebody that has faith in the blood of Jesus to praise God for the blood. I wonder if somebody here who has faith in the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, you don't need to wait for one more day to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Hallelujah. If you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, repent from your sins and let God baptize you with the Holy Ghost. He can do it tonight. You don't have to wait till Sunday. God can fill you with the Holy Ghost even right now. Oh, hallelujah. You know what I want to see in our city? I want to see a revelation of the blood of Jesus Christ and the work that his blood has accomplished. I want to see it sweep across our city because if people really begin to understand that, they will serve him for the rest of their days. They will give him all of their heart. They'll give him all of their soul. They'll give him all of their time, talent, treasure. They'll give him everything they have. Hallelujah, when they realize how good God really has been. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I feel the presence of God in this house. Hallelujah. I wonder if somebody could offer some incense right now in in this tabernacle. Woo, hallelujah. Jesus Christ is the tabernacle of the new covenant. And that body you're in, that body is a temporary dwelling place where God can come down and meet you. Oh, I, we didn't get into the badger skins and the ram skins and the goat skins, but that, that, that old tabernacle was a lot like our body. It wasn't much to look at, ladies and gentlemen, but I want you to know that there was power on the inside of it. And God visited with man on the inside of it. And there was a covenant at work on the inside of it. Woo, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Go ahead and offer incense unto the Lord right now. We're going to sing about it for a moment here. And I want us to lift praise unto God all across this house. Come on, let's do it in the name of Jesus. Let's do it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, that's it. Lift that praise unto the Lord. Lift that praise unto the Lord. Hallelujah.
1: No oh,
0: greater love than this. You have
1: overcome. You have
0: overcome. Come on, you can walk on in to the most holy place. You can walk on into the most holy place. Come on, that's it. You can walk on in to where there's power and there's glory. Hallelujah. Come on, user. You can touch the ark now, user. Come on, that's it. He entered once into the holy place. Come on in. You don't have to be of the lineage of Aaron. You're a part of the lineage of Abraham through Jesus Christ. A joint heir with Christ. Right now, the Holy Ghost is moving. Right now, the Holy Ghost is moving. Right now, oh, come on, that's it. Lift up your heads, oh, ye gates, and be lifted up, ye everlasting Lord, and the King of Glory shall come. Jesus, Come on, if there's somebody nearby that could use prayer right now, in the name of Jesus. Don't let anything hold you back from entering into the holy place. Don't let anything hold you back from offering in sins unto God. Hallelujah. Come on, the veil is ripped. Hallelujah. The glory of God is present. Yes, he is present to heal. He's present to heal.